Hey, good morning. So glad you could join us online uh, with our CTK family and get together for worship this morning on Sunday. And we just continue in these strange days where we're gathering online, but I'm glad uh, that you're connecting with us. And I love those video greetings from the Clarks and from Mariel and from the warehouse, like that, from the warehouse. And um, so just good to see familiar faces. And, and I want to welcome you um, for our church family that's with us all the time. Uh, just want you to know that you're missed and that we love you guys. And uh, looking forward to the days when we're back together. And for those that are maybe connecting with us for the first time, joining us online, or maybe new, been following us for the last little bit since we've been online, so glad that you're with us this morning. And I want to welcome you. And I just want you to know that we're, we're praying for you, praying for uh, your homes and your families, and that you would experience the peace of Jesus in these days. And it's like, it's just so true that Jesus makes such a difference in your life in the middle of all the things that are happening in this world that that uh, the foundations of the earth can be shaken. But when you know Jesus, there is a, a hope that's settled in your heart and a, a, a peace that rules over your, over your mind. And you can just be in this place of trust. And so I'm so glad that uh, we have Jesus in these days. And I, I would just say to you, like maybe you are connecting with us online uh, and, and are new to Christ the King Community Church. I, I'm Pastor Matt, but I want to I want to just encourage you to uh, come to Jesus with your life. You know, that's what I did when I was a, a teenager. I really made my decision for Jesus that I would give him my life, that I would repent of my sins and put my faith in Jesus. And Jesus brought my life hope and direction. I remember that when I had finished high school, I grew up here in Gibson's. I left this town and and I felt like aimless. I felt like my life had no direction. I felt like I had no guidance. And uh, when I was 17 years old, I, I sat in the back row of a church in Prince George and I prayed and invited Jesus Christ into my heart and into my life. And from that day on, uh, even though I'd made a decision when I was a, real, a, a little kid, that was, that was the moment for me that I really began to sense God's direction in my life and his leading and his guiding. And so I just want to tell you there is hope in Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, I got to tell you, Jesus is the greatest thing in my life. And so many people in our church family would tell you the exact same thing. And, and this morning we want to come to God's word and just point people uh, to to Jesus and the hope that is in Jesus. And so, hey, if you got your Bible, I'm going to get you to turn with me to Joshua uh, chapter 4. And we're going to spend some time in God's word here. And as we do, uh, let's just bow our heads in prayer and ask God to speak to us as we spend some time in his word. So, Lord, we just come before you this morning. I thank you for each one that's connecting with us online. God, I just pray your peace uh, upon them right now, Lord. I pray that they would sense the peace and fellowship of God in their homes, Lord. I pray that they would sense that they're not alone. I pray, God, maybe even for some of those that are joining us, that this whole thing might be entirely new to connect with the church and to listen to the message of God. Lord, I just pray that, that the sense of your love and grace would descend upon their hearts and their homes right now in this moment, God, that they would sense that what they're participating in, that what they're experiencing, that what they're watching is real and true and that hope would come and fill their hearts and in their lives uh, as they turn their hearts towards you. So Lord, I just pray that you draw everyone this morning, everyone that's tuning in with us uh, to connect with you and your heart for them. And Lord, we give you this time. We pray that you would speak to us from your word and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Right on. So we're in Joshua chapter four. Then you can turn there in your Bible if you haven't already done that. And we're going to dive into this text. We're continuing in the story of Joshua. Joshua tells about uh, the nation of Israel's entry, their final entry, their entry into uh, the promised land after uh, over 400 years of waiting for these promises to be fulfilled and that they could enter the promised land. And it's an incredible picture because Joshua, the book of Joshua pictures for us the entry of a Christian into the promised life, into resurrection life, into trusting in the promises of God. And so we're coming to Joshua chapter 4. And Joshua chapter 4 retells a story that's so important that the Bible takes two chapters to recount it. Joshua chapter 3 and Joshua chapter 4. And last week we were in Joshua chapter 3 and we looked at this story that told the entrance of Israel into the promised land. They were, it, it, tell, it told it from one side of the river looking forward to entering into the promised land. And now we come to Joshua chapter 4 and it recounts the story. It's like looking back now that they've arrived. And so it's, it's hugely important to the history of God's people, this story of the crossing of the Jordan River into the promised land. And it was a, a miraculous event in the history of God's people where the Lord did this. If you weren't with us last week he, or you're not familiar with the story, what happened is this, is the Lord cut off the waters of the Jordan River. It, it stopped flowing even though it was in its, its annual flood season, had stretched to more than a mile wide or about a mile wide, the waters of the Jordan River were cut off and the people of God crossed on dry land from the wilderness into the promised land. And so last week, like I said, we looked at Joshua chapter three that recounts it from the side of the river looking onto the promised land, the perspective of the wilderness. And this morning, this chapter tells us now that they've arrived, what happened? Now, I'll give you a little bit of a background. I mean, the text was read to us, but before we even dive into it, there's a couple things that I just want to point out to you so that as we come to this in the Word of God, you'll, you'll see it and you'll recognize it for yourself and you go, wow, this is cool. So, so the first one is this. Once they had crossed over the river and they had reached dry or reached the shore on the other side, the city of Jericho was a little more than 15 kilometers away from the river. And so the people of Israel did this. They began to make their way towards the city of Jericho. And the Bible tells us that on the eastern boundary of the city, on, in an area called Gilgal, Gilgal, I want you to remember that, uh, they set up their camp. And uh, Gilgal, this place where they set up camp, was going to be the launch pad for military operations in the Promised Land. So for the guys that love military, for those of you who love like war stories and army stories and military stuff, Gilgal was ground zero. Gilgal was uh, the launch pad for military operations in Canaan, in the land of Canaan. It was the base of operations where they could set up camp, where the army could go out from Gilgal and do its military actions and maneuvers and families could stay and be in the safety of this place and remain behind. And so this place, Gilgal, it's actually quite interesting in the scripture because Gilgal became uh, of great importance to the nation of Israel. It became of great importance to the people of God because at this place, as we're going to read, or as was read to us already, but we're going to read it again, 
they set up this memorial for future generations to commemorate the miracle of the Jordan River crossing. It's just like, you know, in our communities, we've got cenotaphs that memorialize World War I and World War II and the heroes, the men and women who laid down their lives in those campaigns and those wars. Well, Israel was going to commemorate their crossing of, of the Jordan River here in Gilgal with a memorial of stones. So it was important for that reason, but it was also important for this reason. We're going to see this as we continue on in the book of Joshua, that this is the place where this new generation, this new generation was going to affirm their commitment and their relationship with the Lord. And from here, they would launch on and they would defeat the enemies of God and they would defeat their enemies. And so Gilgal is a very interesting place. It's actually from this place that many significant things happened in the history of God's people. You go, really? I've never really heard of Gilgal. I know, it's crazy. You don't, you don't really connect the dots sometimes with certain things in the scripture. So let me connect some dots for you this morning on why this place is significant. Remember, we're outside of Jericho. They've just crossed the Jordan River. They're about to build a monument unto the Lord. Well, what are the, what are the things that happened in the Bible from Gilgal? Because this is actually going to become a rallying point for the people of God for generations to come. Well, here's some examples of what happened at Gilgal in following the years to come. It was in Gilgal that Saul was crowned king of Israel. The very first king of Israel was crowned at this place. They came back there. They, it was a rallying point, and they crowned their first king there. Do you know that Gilgal was also one of the places, one of three places that Samuel, on his annual tour around the nation of Israel, he stopped in three places where he would offer sacrifices, and he would sit as a judge and, and give leadership and direction to the people. Gilgal was one of those places, one of just three. Gilgal was also the place where, after Saul had been disobedient to the Lord, disobedient to the word of the Lord, and he'd let the Amalekite king Agag live. This is where Samuel came to Gilgal, and he cut in pieces, crazy story, cut in pieces Agag, the Amalekite, Amalekite king. It was also in Gilgal. Well, you're like, really? This place is interesting. Yeah, it is. It was also in Gilgal that after Absalom's rebellion against King David, that the nation of Israel gathered and they welcomed David back as their king. In the days of Elijah and Elisha, the school of the prophets was in this place, Gilgal. So this place is hugely biblically significant. It's actually the closest point to where John was doing his baptisms in the Jordan River. This is the place that was near where Jesus went to be baptized by John. And so this place where the people of Israel first camped after this miraculous Jordan River crossing was important because, number one, it served as a base of operations for their military conquest of the land of Canaan. But number two, because it was going to be a future rallying point for the people of God. They were going to continue to come back here at significant times in their history as God's people. And all of these events would happen under the shadow of something we're about to read. 
All of these events, the conquest of the land, this, this place of coming back and rallying the people of God, it would all happen under the shadow of these memorial stones, this, this stone epitaph, this stone, I don't know, Karen, that they were going to set up and build that would commemorate the Jordan River crossing. It would all happen under the shadow of these stones. And so before we just dive into the text this morning, Let's get a clear picture of what these stones represent for us so that we understand this, a clear picture in our hearts and minds. See, the, the stone memorial at Gilgal, why is it significant? What does it picture? What does it commemorate? What is the New Testament picture of the Old Testament stones of Gilgal? What's the picture for you and I as followers of Jesus Christ? Well, last week we saw this. When we were in Joshua chapter 3, we saw that the Jordan River was this impossible crossing. Couldn't, it could not be crossed. The river itself was a picture of death. And entry into the river was, as the priest went in there, and the Ark of the Covenant, and God stopped the water, and the priest went and stood in the middle of the river so that the, on dry ground, so that the people of God could cross, cross over, we saw that this was a looking forward to the working of the cross and, and the participation of God's people in the work of Jesus and the cross. So the river crossing foreshadowed the death of Jesus and the people of God receiving eternal life, entering into the promised abundant life in Jesus Christ. So in crossing the Jordan, in the crossing of the Jordan, we have a picture of people passing from from death into life, from, from wilderness wandering into promised land living in Jesus Christ. So that's the, the river. But in Gilgal, the memorial that would be established there was significant because it points us to the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This memorial stones that were established, they point us to the empty tomb. They point us to the victory of Jesus over death. They, they point us to our participation in resurrection life, in the promised life. So let's check this out. We've got all this background in our mind. Okay, there's these stones, stone memorial that's going to be built. We've, this place, Gilgal. Now let's read the text. Check out verse 1 with me. It says this. When all the, nations had when all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan... The Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, take 12 stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua, verse 4, then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. Now, we see this in this story from Joshua chapter 3 that the priests, when they were carrying the Ark of the Covenant on the other side of the Jordan River, they're carrying this Ark of the Covenant which represented the presence of God and they had gone ahead of the people and when, when they stepped into the Jordan River, as soon as the soles of their feet touched the river, God stopped the flow of water and, and as the river just drained out, these priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant moved into the middle of the river, the deepest point, the deepest part of where the water would have been flowing. And there they stood on dry ground because the Lord had cut off the river. And, the, and, and there 
as they stood in the middle of the river, it's amazing, we got something like two and a half million people cross over. Can you imagine that? Thinking about that, it's like, you know, you just read that and sometimes that flows off your tongue. It's like the population of the entire lower mainland moving on foot across this riverbed. And they've got all their possessions with them. They've got their livestock with them, their, their flocks and their little children and everything that they own. And there's, there's no moving trucks. Everyone's on foot. Huge operation as they cross this river. But those priests stood there, it says. They stood there in the middle of the river until every one crossed. Every young person, every old person, every individual in between man and woman. And from the tribes of Israel, we read this, that Joshua picked 12 men out. He picked one man from each tribe. 12 men who were to witness the event. 12 men who were to establish a memorial to commemorate the event. Now, it doesn't take much to just catch what's going on here. 12 dudes picked out by Joshua. Overtones of the New Testament, pretty strong here, don't you think? You know, it was after a night spent in prayer that the New Testament tells us that Jesus called 12 men to follow him. 12 men to be his disciples. 12 men whom he would appoint his apostles, designate apostles. And the Bible says that they would be the foundation of the church. Men who would preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, who would preach the death, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus into heaven. Men who would preach the, the power of God to save people from their sin through the work of Jesus Christ. It began with 12. Now let's read on. Verse 5, it says this. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be, number one, a sign to you. Check that out, verse 6. That this may be a sign among you when your children ask you in time to come, what do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel. Number two, a memorial. See that? See that in that verse, at the end of that verse? A memorial forever. So these 12 men, these 12 men pick up 12 large stones from the center of the Jordan River, and they carry these stones that are to be a sign, that are to be a memorial, and they carry these stones on their shoulder all the way to the camp at Gilgal. Now, that's crazy, you know, like, this is uh, CrossFit on steroids, because these dudes picked up these big stones, as big as they could possibly handle, and they packed them from the middle of the Jordan River almost all the way to the city of Jericho. We're talking like pushing 15 kilometers. These are men. And the Lord told them that these stones were to be a sign. A sign. A sign for future generations. A sign for this generation, these people who had experienced these things, these, these stones were to be like, I would say this, like an enduring sermon. 
that was meant to like touch your heart. You would see it. You'd see these stones and you'd go, wow, there's a message here. It's pointing to something. And it was pointing to this truth that God's people had not arrived on that shore in the promised land of their own accord or working, but they had arrived there by the power and the working, miraculous working power of God. The sign was pointing. These stones pointed to the goodness and the faithfulness and the power of the living God to fulfill his promises to his people. Those stones pointed to the fact that the children of God were in the promised land because God had worked by his miraculous power to lead them there and to bring them there. And there was no other reason for it. No other reason except that God brought them through to the promised land. It was a sign that was to prick the hearts of future generations, to prick the hearts of the young, to prick the hearts of children so that they would ask their parents, hey, dad, hey, mom, what, is the, what are those stones about? What is, this, what is this sign that's in front of us? And the parents would retell to their children the story of God's miraculous power to bring them through into the promised land. And they could say to their children, you know, I did nothing. I did nothing. There was nothing in me. There was no strength. I couldn't, I couldn't cry. It was impossible what was in front of me. But God's presence went ahead. The Lord stood in my place where I could not stand. He bore judgment in my place. He was buried and God raised him from the dead. I was dead in my sin. Jesus died in my place. And I died so that just as Jesus was raised to life, I could be raised to life with him. And the parents could say, we're in the promised land because of the miracle working power of God's son. Daughter, that is the meaning of this sign. So the Lord said, this is to be a sign. But he also said this. This is to be a memorial. A memorial. See, Israel had passed through a river of death and now they stood on resurrection ground. They stood on resurrection ground. Judgment, the judgment of God was behind them. They had entered into the land of promise. We as followers of Jesus have entered into the life of promise. And this is what Jesus said. You know, Jesus spoke along these lines. The New Testament teaches us these truths. Jesus said this. Of those who would receive his word and those who would believe in him. He said, he said in John chapter 5 verse 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He does not come under judgment, but he has crossed over. He has crossed over from death to life. The gospel the gospel of Jesus, you know, the gospel of Jesus has two memorials that are so important to us. The gospel is this. There's two parts to the gospel message. We, we often think there's one part to the gospel message. We get it so wrong. You know, we get it so wrong. See, the message of the gospel is this, the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The cross and the resurrection. Well, if you're home, at home, I just ask you to do this. Just say with me this, the gospel is 
the cross and the resurrection. The cross and the resurrection. You know, if we only share the cross, we're only sharing half of the gospel. Did you know that? That when we share just the cross, we fail to share the full gospel. We're missing out by not, by not sharing the resurrection. We're missing out on the power of God to save. If the gospel was only the message of the cross, then where is the illustration of victory? Where is the demonstration of God's power to save? The preaching of the gospel always involves two things. The cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And there's a stone memorial we point to. There's a stone memorial that we point our children to. There's a stone memorial that is the rallying point of our lives as followers of Jesus Christ. And our stone memorial is this. The empty tomb of Jesus Christ. The stone is rolled away. Death is defeated. Jesus is alive. He's been raised from the dead. To those who came to that tomb seeking to find the dead Jesus, the angel declared to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen just as he told you. See, the resurrection... The resurrection of Jesus is a sermon that endures forever, for every generation, for every people, for every tribe, for every tongue, for every man, for every woman, for every young, for every old. Our sign is this. Our memorial is this, the empty tomb of Jesus Christ. And when you go to that memorial... When you in your heart take the journey to that tomb, you discover this. Jesus isn't dead. Jesus is alive. And Jesus is victorious over sin, death, the devil, and the grave. The empty tomb is a sign and a memorial to this fact that the debt is paid. That sin has been paid for that death had no victory, that Jesus bled and died to take away my sin, and Jesus is alive. He is raised from the dead. See, Jesus stood on resurrection ground. And Jesus ascended into heaven, and Jesus sat down at the right hand of the majesty, his Father, in heaven. And so the empty tomb is our sign. The empty tomb is our memorial of the victory of Jesus. That's the, that's the place we go to. Now check it out. I want, I want to read on here in verse 8. Turn with me in your Bibles to verse 8. It says this, And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded, and took up twelve stones out of the midst of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel. Just as the Lord told Joshua, and they carried them over with them, to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. Now that's amazing to me because here's why. Because Joshua instructed 12 men to go pick up 12 stones. But you know, what we read here is this, is that the entire nation, all the people participated in what was going on. Yet 12 men carried those stones, but not just 12 men participated in what was happening. 
And part of the resurrection life, part of entering into the promised life that is available to you and I in Christ Jesus is this, that we have to understand from the New Testament what it declares to us about the cross of Christ, what it declares to us about the resurrection of Jesus. See, when Jesus went to the cross, the church went with him. You went with him. I went with him. When Jesus went to the cross, the whole church was identified with his death. The whole church was identified with his resurrection. The whole church was identified with his ascension into heaven. See, in Christ, all died with him. In Christ, all lay in the grave with him. And all were raised to life with him. Grasping this, grasping this, understanding this, meditating on this in your heart, meditating on it in your mind, is totally essential to participating in resurrection life, to participating in the resurrection power that is made available to followers of Jesus Christ. It's totally necessary to understanding what it means to live the promised life. You know, the New Testament writers understood this. They understood this. This is why Paul said to the Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. This is why Paul said to the Ephesian church, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 7, I, I want to read this to you because it's so awesome. He said this, But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places. That's incredible. Church, that's incredible. Paul said you died with Jesus. Paul said you've been raised up with Jesus. Paul said you have been seated in heavenly places with Jesus. And Ephesians chapter 2 verse 7 says this, so that God in the coming ages might show to us the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Not because of me. It's not because of you, it's because of Jesus. Jesus did it all. Jesus paid it all. You know, Peter talked about this. Peter said, according in 1 Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 1, he said this, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, that is undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Boy, have you been grieved by various trials in these days? I have been. He says, if if you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though tested by fire, may be found in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
from the dead. There is an invitation to followers of Jesus to recognize that we can enter into the promised life like the children of Israel entered into the promised land. And it's an understanding that when Christ died, I died. It's an understanding that when Christ was buried, I was buried. It's an understanding that when Jesus was raised from the dead, I was raised from the dead. And you and I enter into that, into those realities by faith. You know, 12 stones were taken from the Jordan River to this camp, Gilgal. And those stones were representative of all of the tribes of Israel, the 12 stones for the 12 tribes. And they, they memorialized that God's people had entered into the, the promised life. The people of God had been safely transported from wilderness living to promised land reality. You know, the New Testament tells us in Revelation chapter 1 that there's a new Jerusalem that's coming. And on the gates, it has the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. That on the foundation stones, that the foundation stones bear the names of the 12 apostles. It's amazing. This theme just continues throughout the Bible. And so, church, I want to tell you this. I want to encourage you with this. You, you need to know this this morning that Jesus has led his church onto resurrection ground. And all too often, we're content with wilderness living. We're content with wandering. Wilderness wandering when the power of the resurrected life is made available to us. Now, let's read on. We're going to see this even clearer. Verse 9. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. Verse 10. For the priests bearing the Ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord had commanded Joshua to tell the people. You remember when Jesus hung on a cross? What did he say? It is finished. Well, these priests, verse 10 again, for the priests bearing the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people, according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua, the people passed over in haste. Now, amazing, you know, for me, just in my Bible reading, I never caught this before. I mentioned that in the devotional that we sent out yesterday. I, I always just thought of one memorial when I read this. And then I realized, oh, wow, there's, there's two memorials here. There, there wasn't just a sign in a memorial in, in Gilgal that 12 men had set up. But there was also a second sign, a second memorial, although it's not called such. It's actually not called a memorial, and it's actually not called a sign. It's just another pile of stones. The difference being that this one was set up in the middle of the river, on the dry ground where the priests had stood. And it's interesting that we read that Joshua was the one who set up this. The people didn't participate. The 12 men didn't participate. Joshua did all this work himself. He built this cairn of stones. A double memorial. It's kind of like when you go to Mike's place. You know, I've been to Mike's place for a while. I always prefer the double gelato over the single gelato. 
kingdom of God's like that. A double here, a double. This was a double monument, a double monument. And if resurrection is the picture in Gilgal, then we know what the second monument represents. Because the preaching of the gospel always involves the cross and the preaching of the gospel always involves the resurrection. And it's amazing that Joshua, who himself is a picture of Jesus, a type of Jesus set up this memorial all by himself, right in the middle of the riverbed, right in the spot where the priests had stood with the Ark of the Covenant. And, and it was right at that, that spot until the Ark of the Covenant moved and was transported onto dry ground in the Jordan River returned to its place, then this, this monument was buried. Buried under the rivers of judgment. Buried under the deepest point of the Jordan River beneath the flow of the current was this monument. Beneath the, the flow of wrath <laughs> stood these stones in the deepest part of the river. And those stones stood in the same place where the children of Israel had collected stones for the sign of their memorial in Gilgal. And likewise, I would just tell you this, it's because of the waters of judgment, because the waters of God's wrath were poured out on Jesus Christ that you and I have new life. We identify our lives with his. We go to the cross and we pick up a stone. We identify our lives with his life. When Jesus died, I died. When Jesus was raised to life, I was raised to life. And Joshua, who pictures Jesus, built this memorial in the river, but then the people picked up a stone from that point and they carried it to a new place to build a new memorial, the second place. And we do that. We identify our lives with the death of Jesus. We pick up a stone at the cross, but then we should do this, church. We should march to the empty tomb because we build our lives on the power of the resurrection. This is so important, church. So often this is missed in understanding the promises of God that are made available to us. See, we spend all of our time at the cross and we miss the power of the resurrection. The power of the resurrection. There's power in the resurrection to save. You know, it's amazing that Paul said this in Romans chapter 10. He said, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. For it's with your Heart that you believe in are justified and it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. You know, I, I would say it this way. We, we, we pick up a stone from the waters of judgment where Jesus died in, in my place, where Jesus died in our place, and we carry the stone to the empty tomb and there we build our lives, church. We build our lives at the empty tomb, not at the cross. We live because Jesus died in our place and we live because Jesus conquered the grave. And church, people of God, the time has come to march from the cross 
to the empty tomb. Because promised land living happens at the empty tomb. In the waters of judgment, we were buried with Jesus. And the base camp for our life, the point for us to build our lives for military operations into enemy territory is in the resurrected life, not at the cross. The base camp of promised land living is not the cross. The base camp of promised land living is the empty tomb. And for Israel, like we've seen, Gilgal was going to be this place where they would have their launch pad for military operations in the land of Canaan. Gilgal was going to be the base of operations where they would set up camp for their families, where there was safety. Gilgal was the base camp of operations so that the army could go out and the families could stay behind in safety. That was the place, Gilgal, where kings were crowned. That was the place where kings were welcomed back. It was under the shadow of that memorial stone that there was a school of prophets. It was under the shadow of that memorial stone that that the man of God would offer his sacrifice and make his judgments. The empty tomb. See, what I'm saying is this. The empty tomb is the rally point for the church. The empty tomb. The empty tomb is the rally point for the church that has entered into promised land, living into resurrection life. That has entered into resurrection power. But you know, there's no arriving at Gilgal. You can't come to Gilgal. You can't arrive at Gilgal unless you first pass over the Jordan. There's no victorious resurrection life until you first come to the cross of Jesus Christ. You've got to have the order right. Cross first, resurrection second. Both essential to the gospel. Can't have one without the other, but the order matters. The cross and then the resurrection, the sacrifice of Jesus and then the victory of Jesus. The death of Jesus and then the life of Jesus. The gospel is the cross and the resurrection. Now let's read on, verse 11. And when the people had finished passing over, the ark of the Lord and the priests passed over before the people. The sons of Reuben and the sons of God and the sons of the half-tribe of Manasseh passed over armed before the people of Israel as Moses had told them. About 40,000 ready for war passed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel. And they stood in awe of him just as they had stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. <laughs> you know, it's tough. You come to these texts, you can't turn over every stone. You can't go through everything that I'd love to discuss here. But what I would love to discuss, what I, what I want to point you to is this, that, it's, that, that the text tells us this, that the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel and that they stood in awe of him. Israel stood in awe of Joshua just like they had stood in awe of Moses. All the days of his life, it's amazing that God exalted Joshua to his place. 
God was the one who exalted Joshua. And you know who the Lord is exalted above all others? Jesus. The Lord has exalted Jesus to the highest place. To the highest place. That is baptism, which happened at the Jordan, under the shadow of these stones. Under the shadow of these stones. When John buried Jesus in the waters of baptism, and he came up out of the waters of baptism, a voice spoke from heaven and said, This is my son. It thundered. This is my son with whom I am well pleased. What was God doing? He was exalting Jesus above all so that people would stand in awe of Jesus. When Jesus took three of his disciples and they went up that mountain, he was transfigured before them and his glory shone. The father said this, this is my son. Listen to him. What was God doing? God was doing this. He was exalting Jesus above all others. Jesus. You know, in Acts chapter 4, Peter declared, political leaders had told Peter, you need to shut up, man. Don't talk. Don't preach Jesus. Stop it. We don't want to listen to that. We don't want to hear that. You know what Peter said? Peter said, God's exalted Jesus. I have to preach Jesus. He said this, there's salvation in no one else. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which they must be saved. Peter said, the Father's exalted Jesus above all others, and you need to stand in awe of Jesus. Paul said this. Paul said that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, Peter agreed. Paul agreed that God had exalted the name of Jesus above every other name. You know who else agreed? John agreed. In the book of Revelation, John said this. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 through 7, he said, To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom of priests, to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And John said, Amen. And behold, he's coming soon. He's coming soon. He said, it's Jesus to him. To Jesus belongs all glory. To Jesus belongs all dominion. Because there's no other name under heaven given to men by which they must be saved. Jesus exalted, uh, the Lord exalted Joshua, but the Lord exalted Jesus above all others. Let's read on, verse 15. And the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priests bearing the ark of the testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests, come up out of the Jordan. And when the priests bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord came up from the midst of the Jordan, and the souls of the priests were lifted up on dry ground, the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. These priests... These priests are an amazing picture because they're men who didn't take a step until they were commanded to do so. They bore the ark of the presence of God, the ark of the covenant. They stood in the middle of the river until all the children of God had passed over. And they didn't move. They didn't move from their place. Who knows how many hours they stood there until they were commanded to do so. 
It's amazing that John in Revelation chapter 1 tells us that you and I have been made priests. We, we are the temple of the Lord. We bear the ark of God's presence. And church, obedience is to be ours. Obedience is to be ours. We, we, we are to not move until the Lord tells us to move. And when the Lord tells us to move, then we go forward in confidence and, and we obey as we're commanded and we leave the consequences to the Lord. You know, in the, day, the days that are ahead of us, man, I wonder what's going to happen. All I know is this. Our obedience belongs to Jesus and to nobody else. Jesus. And we have to leave the consequences in the hands of the Lord. And these, these priests, they, they didn't quit. They didn't move until they were instructed. And it's amazing that when, when, they, when they moved, the waters of wrath, the waters of judgment returned to their place. You know, you and I have passed over on dry ground. You've passed over on dry ground because Jesus stood in your place. You've passed over on dry ground because Jesus bore the judgment of God. Jesus was under the judgment and the wrath of God. Jesus was buried under a flood of judgment because Jesus died in our place. And we just got to pass over like the children of Israel on dry ground. Praise be to his name. Praise be to his name. Let's read on. We're going to read through to the end of the chapter, verse 19. And the people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month. They encamped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And those 12 stones, which they took up out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. Verse 21. And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know. Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God has dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Joshua said, you know, your children are going to look at these stones. Your children are going to look at these memorials. And when they ask you what these stones mean, it's amazing that this is actually told twice in this text, that this is important. That fathers and mothers communicate to their children the meaning of these memorials. Joshua said, these memorials for us mean this, that we passed over on dry land and God brought us into promised land living. For us as followers of Jesus, our memorials are the cross and the empty tomb. We have to point our children to the cross and the empty tomb time and time again, always, always, always saying, this is where my life is found. This is where my life is found in the work of Jesus. When Jesus died, I died. When Jesus was raised to life, I was raised to life. And my life is hidden in him. I'm hidden in Christ. The base camp of my life, son, the base camp of my life, daughter, is the empty tomb of Jesus. It's his victory. 
And I just get to share. I just get to point people to him. I just get to get, say to, to Jesus, be the glory. You know, it's amazing. Again, look at verse 24. If you've got your Bible, it says this. So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. All the earth needs to know this. The whole world needs to know this message. That the hand of God is mighty and God placed his hand on Jesus. The hand of wrath on Jesus so that you might be forgiven. So that you might be able to make peace with your father who is in heaven. And so that you might find victory in Christ Jesus and enter into all the promises of God. And promised land living. When your children ask you, declare it. You know, just let me leave you just with a couple thoughts here. We're going to wrap up quickly. A couple thoughts. You know, number one, I guess I would say this. The Old Testament's so awesome. You know, I've met believers who just spend their whole Bible reading in the New Testament. I think, man, what a, what a miss out. What a failure to see so many pictures and so many signs and so many symbols that point to Jesus. So many great pictures of Christ in the Old Testament. And we just could miss out by concentrating all of our energy on the New Testament and not see that the, that the Old Testament is like a treasure trove of wealth pointing to Jesus. New Testament and Old Testament are beautiful. And they complement one another and they all point to one person, Jesus. So, you know, in your Bible reading, here's application for you. In your Bible reading, be someone who loves the Old Testament. Be someone who loves the New Testament and pull them together. Merge them and know that they point to Jesus. The second thing I would tell you is this. You need to be able to clearly declare what the memorials of Christian living are, Christian life are. For Joshua and the children of Israel, they could point to two memorials, one that was buried in a river and one that was in the area of Gilgal. And and. and For you and I, we need to be able to declare two things, not just one, church. We don't declare just one memorial. We don't declare just the cross. We declare the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ because that's the full gospel. Declare both memorials as the Lord gives you opportunity, maybe to share with your children or coworker. And the third thing I want to leave you with is just this simple truth. Look at, build your life at the empty tomb. Build, make the empty tomb the base camp of your life. You know, it's amazing that God didn't build some grandiose temple there or some great monument there. It's just, it's just an empty tomb because it points us to this truth that Jesus is alive. Build your life on the resurrected Jesus and on the empty tomb. You know, this morning we're going to do this. We're going to just close with communion. I hope you're prepared to do that. You got bread and you got a cup so that we could participate together. Um, and, and this is a memorial for us. I got my elements here. The cup which represents the blood of Jesus, the bread which represents his body. And these elements are like a memorial. It's like taking a journey back to the Jordan River and saying, see son, buried under those waters. Man, Buried under those waters is the one who bore my wrath, the one who faced judgment for me.
He died, but he's alive. And we come back to this river sun. And I want you to know that there's a pile of stones. There's a cairn of stones under that, that, that great wrath there where, where God opened up the doors of impossibility so that we could enter into new life. And for us, this is the picture. We partake of the bread, which represents his body. We partake of the cup, which represents his blood, because we know that in Jesus, there's life. That in Jesus, there's true drink. That in Jesus, there's true food to feed the spiritual man. And we go back to the cross.